our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. A doctor's wife was poisoned and the trail led right back to him. Meet the 30-year-old poison specialist who was potentially facing 40 years behind bars for the death of his 32-year-old wife. Behind these happy faces lied a mess of challenges within their marriage. From serious debt to infidelity to open relationships to a $500,000 insurance payout. You know when you say till death do us part, you don't usually envision it ending in a wife getting poisoned by her supposed life partner. But this is exactly the case we're looking at today. And judging by appearances, money emerged as the prime motivator, a lethal solution to escape. So why the second degree murder charge when the facts seem to appear planned and methodical? I'm Linda with It's a Crime, where compassion, integrity, uncovering truths, and the pursuit of justice guide our mission. So now, let's get into it. In May of 2021, Betty and Connor Bowman married in Independence, Missouri. Just over two years later though, by August 20th, 2023, Betty was dead. Friends of the couple told police they were in open relationships, but Connor had developed feelings for another woman, making their marriage heading down the path to divorce. Friends also told authorities that Connor was in some deep debt and something that he kept hidden from Betty as they kept separate bank accounts. But a $500,000 insurance payout would certainly help that issue now, wouldn't it? Now, at the time of her death, Betty had her pharmaceutical doctorate and worked as a hospital pharmacist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, while Connor worked as a pharmacist before joining Mayo as an internal medicine resident. But according to reports, Connor was previously investigated for mistreatment of a patient and a complaint was filed with the State Board of Medicine. But it doesn't stop there. Betty died on August 20th, 2023. She was admitted five days earlier with complaints of severe gastrointestinal issues. At first, doctors thought that she had food poisoning, but she quickly deteriorated and she didn't seem to respond to medical treatment. She was experiencing heart issues, fluid buildup in her lungs, and the removal of part of her colon. She died from complete organ failure. But what was odd was in her obituary, it stated Betty died following a sudden onset of autoimmune and infectious illness. Quite interesting. The next day, the medical examiner's office contacted the police department to report a suspicious death. Now, we're going to get into the list of things that Connor is accused of doing. And it certainly doesn't make it look good for the husband who literally seemed to take till death do us part a little too soon and a little too serious. Of course, innocent until proven guilty, but man, he has some explaining to do and good luck to the defense attorney on that one. They're gonna need it, in my opinion. Now, the authorities obtained a search warrant for Connor's work laptop, which was a University of Kansas-issued laptop where he worked before as a poison specialist, and interestingly, he actually handed calls related to poison control. Let's dive in. Number one is Google searches. 
Connor did some homework. Let's dive into his curious digital trail. It appears that the doctor embarked on a unique search journey just days before Betty's death. Connor's special interest was on a certain drug that typically treats gout, which is a condition that causes severe pain in the joints. So why the sudden interest in this? And there's some side effects to this drug. More commonly, diarrhea, nausea, stomach pain, vomiting. In rare cases, there's a whole list of things, but it could be difficulty with breathing, fever with or without chills, large hive-like swelling on the face, muscle weakness and numbness, and the list goes on. Now, the drug is called colchicine, and not only did he search for this drug, he also decided to use an online tool so that he could figure out Betty's weight conversion to milligrams, and so he multiplied that figure by 0.8 milligrams, and voila, Colcachine's lethal dosage rate. Told you it doesn't look good. He also made visits to a website that, quote, helps service online purchases, which investigators say it coincided with the online activity for purchasing Colchicine. He must have found those answers intriguing though, because he goes on to do some more research, allegedly of course, innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. He wanted to know where he could obtain sodium nitrate, which is a drug that restricts oxygen in the blood. Also notable, sodium nitrate is found in cured meats, eye drops, glass, and fertilizers. But too much and exposure to very high levels can cause trouble breathing, collapse, and even death. Then there seems to be some covering up some bases. He googled some search terms such as delete Amazon data police. He searched whether internet browsing histories can be used in court, if law enforcement can track package deliveries, and the simple term he searched for, poisons. And my personal favorite, lethal doses specifically for individuals weighing approximately 120 pounds because nothing says true love and date nights like researching lethal doses and Amazon data deletion. He's a doctor, but he sure isn't a rocket scientist, allegedly in my opinion, and really thankfully so. Number two, he purchased the poison. Now this is where the plot thickens. Brace yourselves because it appears that Connor didn't just keep it to good old Google. Mm -mm. The doctor wasn't satisfied with just the information. He allegedly felt the need to take it a step further. What drove him to take this step further though, let's uncover these details because he used his email address of bowman.connor at mayo.edu. He bought two different drugs from an online wholesaler. On August 3rd, 11 days before Betty was admitted to the hospital, his purchase was for $15.20 for an erectile dysfunction drug. I wonder if this was for his new love interest or something else. The second purchase was on August 11th, four days before Betty's poisoning and spent $52.20 for the colchicine. This is what investigators believe to have poisoned Betty and we'll get to the autopsy results in a moment. Now clearly, he doesn't watch true crime. What's your opinion so far of this guy? It just goes from bad to worse. And here's where it reminds me of Letitia Stelk. She tried to order a fake polygraph test and then the company wouldn't give it to her because it had to do with murder and she wondered if she could have her money back. Now Connor contacts the online drug company after his purchase and tells them that his wife bought the gout drug under his name fraudulently. 
according to the warrant. He takes it one step further because this seems to be his little pattern. He also tells the company that the Mayo Clinic confronted him about buying the prescription for himself. Number three, he accessed medical records. Now, let's dive into where Connor decides to invade Betty's private records, her medical records, but it's not just a little peek at it. Once again, Connor takes it one step further. He used his position and his hospital credentials to navigate through her e-health records. Shockingly, at one point, he even managed to sneak himself onto her care team, gaining unrestricted access without the need for his credentials. He repeatedly checked on her health records from August 20th to the 31st, so from the date of her death, and then repeatedly for the next 11 days. It's interesting, don't you think? How's it looking so far for Connor? Let me know below. And I wonder if Connor visited Betty while she was sick. I'm thinking he probably did, but I wonder for how long and what was discussed. And it does rise some interesting questions about his extent of his involvement and what other secrets he could hold. The plot thickens, my friends. Number four, he allegedly administered the poison and she drank it. Now, apparently before Betty died, her last sips before being admitted was a smoothie from her recollection. And the next morning she was really sick. And authorities ended up speaking to a man who was supposedly her love interest. She apparently told him the day before she was admitted to the hospital that she was home sipping on a smoothie with Connor, struggling to sleep and not feeling so great. She told this guy that the smoothie tasted so bad and threw it out. Guess who made her that smoothie? And it was out of character for him apparently to do this as well. Now, another friend joked with Betty that Connor might have been trying to poison her in her suspicious smoothie. But also in my research, it was said that Connor surprised Betty with an alcoholic drink, a rum drink, the night she went to the hospital. So did she get poisoned twice? The smoothie didn't taste good, so Connor allegedly take it a step further and offer the rum? What do you think? Let me know below. This is starting to sound like Corey Richens' case. Have you seen any videos or my videos on the case? Corey is awaiting trial for the murder of her husband. She allegedly spiked her husband's alcoholic drink as well, but with fentanyl. Number five, he wanted to have Betty cremated and no autopsy. Now, why stop right here, right? After Betty's death, Connor told the medical examiner's office that Betty should be immediately cremated her death was just natural, and that Betty simply didn't want to be a cadaver. He was also pretty curious because he was asking questions if the toxicology report would be more thorough than the one done at the hospital, wondered the timeline of it, and he even wanted a list of items that they would test for. Why, Connor? Because you want to know how your wife died? Or because you knew and wanted to prepare to take things? Yep, you guessed it, a step further. And the autopsy came back and guess what was in her system? The colchicine. Number six, he had life insurance on Betty. There was a $500,000 life insurance policy on Betty and at the time of the search warrant, and according to the authorities, they found a check for $450,000 in the home. Also, according to reports, Connor told a friend that he was to collect $500,000 from her death. Number seven, he pushed a theory about her death and even had it in her obituary. Now, at this point in our little listicle journey, I don't know if this will surprise you or not, because again, we go one step further. 
Connor was the first one to suggest that Betty had suffered from and provided a diagnosis of HLH. You can read the terminology of what that sounds like here. It's a doozy for me to pronounce, but there you have it. But in layman's terms, it's an infection where white blood cells damage organs. But tests came back inconclusive on that. But you know what did come back? Colchicine. Mm-hmm. Coincidence? I don't think so. But to really seal the deal, Betty's obituary played some hide-and-seek with the truth. Because the term autoimmune illness was in there, a sudden onset autoimmune and infectious illness is what he said. But to me, it's more like hide the poison and hope no one notices type of game. Now we have to stop for a minute and talk about Barry Morphew in the Suzanne Morphew case because this to me, the obituary is the same type of idea where Barry Morphew, who was the prime suspect in his wife's murder, he pushed theories too and took it one step further and got on camera and made a 25, 26 second video pleading to kidnappers for her return and no evidence of kidnappers. Number eight, he exhibited odd behavior. Let's again go one step further, shall we? After Betty's death, multiple friends notified police that Connor's behavior was anything but normal, and Connor asked some of them out for drinks just days after he died. Also reminds me of Barry Morphew, who was quite jovial and grilling steaks for his buddies during the search for his wife of 25 plus years, which he didn't partake in and the friends remarked that he had odd behavior. That's a whole video in itself. Now, even though it was said that Betty and Connor were in an open relationship, they agreed that they wouldn't get emotionally attached to the people that they spent time with, but Connor did. It was said that he became infatuated with a woman. That was according to friends. Betty confronted him about her and brought up divorce. But after three days after Betty's death, a friend went to visit Connor and found Connor's new girlfriend there. And all Betty's photos were taken down. And in the Corey Richens case, Corey took down her husband's pictures as well and also was said to have had a party not even 24 hours after her husband's murder. Betty was said to have been such a kind spirit. It said her kindness and intelligence was noted and valued by friends and strangers alike from her obituary. And it said, those who knew Betty have described her as a loyal and caring friend, exceptionally thoughtful and a kindred spirit. Betty inspired and encouraged others to be their truest selves. As a vibrant and outgoing young woman, Betty lived life to the fullest, including never missing the opportunity to travel and experience a new place. A coworker noted that she's one of the people that's a very pleasant person to be around and a very good worker to work with. We were told it was natural causes. How is that even possible? Connor Bowman was arrested two months after Betty's murder on October 20th, 2023. He's charged with second degree murder. The Olmstead County Attorney's Office charged Connor with one count of second degree murder with intent not premeditated. Let me know your thoughts about this. I really want to hear what you think about this charge and with everything that is adding up. I'll be sure to keep you posted on this case. I truly wonder how his attorneys will handle this and what they will present, but you'll never know. And there was a case earlier this summer of a dentist. James Craig poisoned his wife, Angela Craig, with protein shakes, and then it was poisoned with arsenic that he bought online after making numerous online searches, like how to make poison, undetectable poisons, how many grams of pure arsenic will kill a human, top five undetectable poisons that show no signs of 
foul play. Maybe Connor took a page out of this guy's book. But that guy got caught, and so did Connor. What do you think will happen next in the case? What are your initial thoughts? How does this case compare to others you've heard about or seen? And why did Connor not just agree to a divorce? Are there any specific angles or details you'd like me to dive in deeper? This is a chilling reminder that not all is as it seems, and you never really can know a person. Check out the video on Corey Richens here, who is like Lori Daybell and Letitia Stout mixed together in demeanor and the female version of what Connor sounds like. Thanks for watching. We'll see you in the next video. Stay safe out there. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.